just finished a long series on showing up different about the fruit of the Spirit. And I tell you what, I, I loved it. I thought it was helpful for me. I hope you felt it was helpful. So we're starting out a new three-week series. Some of you maybe got mailers in the mail inviting you to check out this series. So we're starting it off today. And I want to just frame it with a question, okay? So the question is, have you ever felt stuck in your life? And I'm not saying like my whole life I feel stuck, but in in an area of your life, have you ever felt stuck or, or been stuck? Like being stuck has a negative connotation. Think about the things that you say, like, I'm stuck in traffic, right? Or I'm stuck in a bad relationship. Like, you're never stuck really in a good place. Stuck is pretty much always bad. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, um, my brother asked me this great question. He said, hey, do you think you could fit in here? All right? And I was just young enough to think, like, I can prove my, my metal here, right? Like, I can, I can fit in that thing. Like, it was a small piece of furniture, one of those uh, end tables you put a lamp on. And it had a door in it. And I was like, I can fit in there. So I could fit in there, it turns out. Far enough that he could shut the doors. (laughs) And so then I was stuck. And I just want to tell you from personal experience, being stuck is not good. It is not something that you're like, yes, I enjoy it in here. And it's probably why I have some claustrophobia in my life now, thanks to my brother. Um, So being, being stuck, right? Well, obviously we're not talking about physically stuck, but being stuck is something I want to talk about these next three days. There's a lot of us who, over the course of the last couple years, we have, what I've noticed in talking to people is we've either picked up bad habits or we've picked up good habits through the pandemic. But research shows that a number of people have picked up one or more negative habits through the pandemic. It's kind of part of our coping with it. So some people, it's been eating too much. Some people, it's been sleeping not enough, sleeping too much. Some people, it's been thoughts, anxious thoughts. People who have maybe been on the edge of struggling with some you know, anxiety, depression type stuff went over the edge into some of that. I mean, you've, if this isn't you, you probably know someone for whom this is true. And so, you know, one of the things that I've really gotten in trouble with, so I'm, I'm just going to confess to you a scenario for my life. Are you ready for this? Okay. This is for real. This is something I recently had to change about my life. Don't worry. It's not too personal. Um, but this is something that I got, I got stuck in, in my life. Okay. So I don't know if you know what this is, but this is what people who want to judge people on TikTok do instead, okay? So this is Reels on Instagram, and I, what it allows me to do is to, be able to talk about those people who spend hours on TikTok with a lot of judgment in my voice and my heart while I spend hours on Reels, which are essentially just the same exact thing. Does anybody, I feel like no one knows what I'm talking about. Okay, so we have an older crowd here today. All right, so let me explain. There's these things called phones. All right, I'll show you. Um, they're, they're like phones that you grew up with, but they can carry around in your pocket, and it's also like a huge computer put down into a little, like, piece of bread, and it fits in your pocket. And there's things where people share seven-second videos of themselves doing weird and funny and, and th- you know, adventurous. and Anyway, and you just do this, and it's like dopamine hits one after another. It's like, interesting, interesting, interesting. And I watch my kids do it, and it's more like this. And I'm like, are you watching this? They're like, no, I'm looking for something good. I'm looking for something good! Right? And then they find it, and they're like, eh, it wasn't that funny. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, man, I'm never going to get into that. And then I was like, well, let me check it out. What's wrong? Stop talking? That's bad when your whole team says, stop, stop talking. You're terrible. <laughs> 
got too exuberant. I'm too excited about TikTok. Check. I'm just switching. Can you turn the other one on? All right. See if I can break this one. Okay. So I, 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 I just decided to try it one night. Isn't that how most of these stories start? It's just like, I'm just going to try it. And I was like, wow, these are kind of funny. And there's an algorithm that learns from you. Translation, they know how to addict people. So they purposely, like, they literally hired psychologists to when they built these algorithms to say, how can we get people to keep coming back? So they prey on your behavior. They know how you work, and they purposely designed this. So if you hesitate on one because you like it, it knows that, and then it brings up another one just like it in a couple seconds. And then eventually you're just like, this is amazing. It's everything. It's like they know me, right? Because they do. And it's really amazing how seven seconds times some factor leads to a half hour, leads to an hour, leads to an hour and a half really quickly. And you're like, then you, you like come up for air and you're like, what have I done with my life? You know? And, and if you do it a couple nights in a row, the thoughts you start thinking are, I hate myself. And that's, but you can't stop. And so I got to, you guys are like, this guy, has anyone ever struggled with their phone addiction? Come on. All right, good. So I eventually had to put a limit on my phone. I had to parent my phone. I had to be my own parent. And so I put a half hour limit on Instagram. I was like, half hour? There's no way I'm doing a half hour. I was hitting the barrier before nighttime even got there. Just like through the day, you know, you know where you look at your phone. Do I have to tell you? Yeah, that place, right? Just that, that's how much time I apparently I spend in the bathroom. But so half hour, half hour was, wasn't enough for me. So I've really curtailed it. I don't, it, then it asks you this question. You've hit the limit. Ignore? Question mark? And you're like, yes. I wish I could do that with all other limits in life, you know? Speed limit, ignore? Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Eating too much? Ignore? Yes. All right. So I, I, I have now, you know, I've rationalized it a little bit because sometimes I have to use it for work, but I'm working on it. I'm just confessing and working on this. So this is what we're going to talk about. Habits that maybe you're doing that maybe you're not even aware of that actually are kind of sucking the life out of you, that, that are maybe behind the scenes, but are taking time, taking effort, hurting you emotionally. They're starting to suck the life out of you. And my friend and I, Josh, we went out to Main Street. So I'm going to show a video here real quick. Uh, we went out to Main Street recently to interview some people about how you can start and break habits and what people are doing to try to better themselves coming out of the pandemic. So let's show you that right now. It's the lawn chair show. Are these lawn chairs? What do you call these things? Adirondack chairs? life right now that you're actively like working on changing about yourself? Um, I'm trying to meditate for five minutes when I wake up. I'm journaling. I'm, I have goals for myself. <laughs> Get into like more of a routine and like try to like better like things like my sleep schedule and my, um, my workout schedule. Is there anything in your life right now that you are like working on that you're trying to better yourself in? Yeah, uh, just myself honestly. I kind of had a lot of medical issues this past year and I think it's taken a toll on 
the way I look at myself, and so I'm trying to better the way I feel about myself. Uh, definitely time management. I definitely struggle with that. It's yeah. definitely balancing schoolwork, like club, and like everything. It's just hard. And like, especially social time too, you, you need that. So like, balancing that and like schoolwork and exams all the time, that's hard. So why do you think bad habits are easier to start than good habits and, and harder to stop? Um, I feel like bad habits, they're bad because like, yeah, like they feel good, even if you know they're bad, but like the, like the feeling good aspect kind of outweighs your immediate like repercussions from like, let's say doing it. So I feel like you can kind of delay the long-term negative outcomes. If you kind of just focus on like the short term, like, oh, like short term benefits, I guess. That's, that's me. It's almost like a dopamine rush, kind of, where it's like you have a moment of like fun out of it or whatever. But then it's like long term, the more you do it, the less you get out of it, the worse the outcomes are. That's, that's how I view it. I feel like bad habits often involve temptations um, of any kind of sort. And when you have something you want, something you want even if it's bad, you don't really want to stop because you enjoy it. And I guess the good habits can often, it really depends on what you consider a good habit, but good habits, I guess, in a broader sense are what keep you on track. Is there any like time where you successfully changed something about your life? I don't know. I haven't really tried. I never had the motivation to try. And I think coming to college and being on my own, it kind of made me realize that I have to do things for myself and like figure out how to push myself. So I think doing this now is like the biggest push I've ever had. So where are you stuck? Let's think about it just a little bit. Let's think about our lives. And, and, I, and I'm going to argue that part of being stuck is we often don't know. Okay. I mean, there's some of these that you might know. But so are you stuck in thought patterns? Do you have repeating thought patterns that are negative, that are pulling you down, that you know, like you're sitting here right now, you're thinking, yes, that's me. I get stuck in anxious loops. I get stuck in depressing loops. You know, what about bad coping mechanisms? I think that this is a big one that's come out of the pandemic where we've Whatever it is, if it's, if it's food, if it's drink, if it's sleep, if it's other stuff, like things that we do to fill the void, right? It, it can even be, it can be Netflix, TV, it can be our phone. Like we know, if, we, if we're honest, that we're doing whatever we're doing to cope, right? We're coping with an internal thing that's going on instead of dealing with it. Relationships, for a lot of us, some, or no, I'm going to say for a lot of us, for some of us, we're stuck in a relationship that we we don't have maybe whatever it takes to say what needs to be said. We're too afraid of confrontation to deal with the issues. And so we just are in this loop of hurt and re-hurt, right? We're stuck in relationships. We're stuck, some of us may be stuck in a schedule. This one really starts to just, as, especially if you have little kids, this starts to just happen to you. And you just start to feel like, when did we become that family? You know, then you're spending more time in the car than anywhere else in your life. And if you have little kids, let's be honest, you hate it. You hate being in the car, right? You love your kids, but you hate being in the car because for whatever reason, the car is where kids go to become demons, right? And so you just do your best. But honestly, some of us are trapped in our schedule. And again, it, it's like, it's by addition, right? It's not like you sat down and said, I'd like to have a overly busy schedule, but you say yes to one thing and yes to another thing. And then you feel like if I say yes to this first kid, I got to say yes to this fifth kid. And right. Finances. 
Some of us are stuck in our finances. And honestly, this is one of those that's easier to just turn a blind eye to. It might be debt or it might be your, you know, your income isn't big enough for your expenses, but it just is like, I know there's a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. And it's easier for me to ignore it. And some of us are stuck spiritually. Honestly, if we're honest, we haven't grown in a while. And, we, and we're in the same place we were 10 years ago or five years ago or even one year ago, right? We, we, ha- we don't feel like we're getting closer to God. And if anything, maybe we feel like we're getting distant. Or maybe through the pandemic, there's been some stuff that's really rubbed you the wrong way about how the church in general, not us, of course, but how the church in general has done things or presented things. And, and it's made you wonder, do I belong, right? Do I belong with those people? And so you're not sure, like, I can't really lean in wholeheartedly anymore, but I'm not sure I'm ready to lean out. And so you're, you're on the fence and you're stuck. So what do we do with this? What do we do with being stuck? See, Jesus, the story of Easter, the whole point of why we're here today and why we're here every Sunday is that Jesus came to give us new life, not to give us a trapped life, a stuck life, a half measure life, a partway life. He came to give us a brand new life. Romans tells us we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may have a new life. And so he makes this parallel just as miraculous as it is for Jesus to be in the grave, dead for three days, and then rise from the grave. Just as miraculous, it is us who are becoming new people, that we are called by Jesus's power to become new people, to have a new life. And I want to ask the question, are we living like new people? Are we living as if we've been resurrected with Christ? Or are we living kind of stuck in our old ways? See, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, he hit this gigantic cosmic reset button. You know, he was just like, it's sort of like when that guy snapped his fingers in the movie with the big glove, you know, Avengers right? But, but in a good way, it didn't kill half the world's population, right? It was like, it, it freed us. And so this, there was this huge, all the nerds in the crowd were like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it freed us. It reset our identity. We went from being slaves to sin to being sons and daughters. We went from having a past that haunted us and dealing with shame and guilt to finding complete forgiveness. We went from having this, what is our life about? Right? What is, what is the future about? What is my purpose? And he gave us destiny. He gave us meaning in the present and destiny for the future. When Jesus died and rose again, he said, I'm offering you the greatest, you know, command Z or control Z, depending if you're a Mac or Apple. Well, I mean, that's the same thing. Uh, Mac or Windows guy, right? He, he's giving you the greatest do-over ever. Or if you're a golfer, mulligan. Did I hit everybody in the room? I don't know what other like slang there is for doing something again. But he gave us this great do-over. He said, you can start again. You can be renewed. Renewed. You can be made new again. You can be resurrected with Christ. And yet, I would argue, there's a lot of people in the world today who aren't living with that resurrection life in them. For numbers of reasons. And, and some of them have been you know, offended or hurt or even wounded by religious people or religious institutions. And, and it's caused this division. It's caused this separation. And so they don't know that they can come to Jesus. That, that what we need, what our hearts long for, what our, what our deepest longings are, is to know and be known by God and to know and be known by each other. 
And so there are people who are holding God at arm's length. And maybe even if you've been coming to church, you've been coming to City Light, but there's this sense that I just, it doesn't click for me. Or, or I feel like there's this area in my life, like if I'm honest, I'm just stuck here. If I'm really honest, I've just been doing the same thing. You know, there's that business expression that your plan is perfectly crafted to get you the results you're getting, right? Like, however you're living your life is giving you the exact results. If you don't like the results, you can't just hope your way out of it. Something has to change. And when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he offered everyone the chance to find new life, new, fresh start in him. And not just once, but repeated. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God's mercy is new every morning. There's this sense of newness, of resurrection life in just the very fiber of Christianity. In fact, without the resurrection, we really don't have Christianity. And so living as though we are still stuck in our old ways is missing out on kind of the point, right? And I want to tell you a story from the New Testament about a guy whose name was Saul and changed to Paul. And I want to talk about how this was after Jesus had already risen from the dead. And Saul knew about it. He knew about the resurrection. He had heard about it. And he had made a choice to not believe it. He had said, there's no way this happened. There's no way that that's true. People don't raise from the dead. I don't believe that this guy is God. I don't believe his claims. He's where a lot of us have been in our lives. Or maybe some of us are still there. And this is a beautiful story of what happened to get him unstuck. So we're going to read this together. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So he was so upset that he saw Christians as dangerous. I mean, I think I hear some of that in today's culture again. He was hunting Christians down. Now, I don't see this happening in America, but it is happening across the world. There are still Christians being hunted down, arrested, and killed for their faith. I mean, that's what Saul was doing. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to synagogues in Damascus. So he started traveling around. So that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, which is what Christians were first called, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So as he neared Damascus on his journey, so he's, he's on the road, on the way to hunt down Christians and arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. Suddenly a light flashed from heaven. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And if you read later in Acts, about 16 chapters later, I think it's Acts 26, Saul retells this when he's on trial before a Roman Roman judge. And when he retells it, he adds a line. He says that the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads which are like the things you go to, you know, a sheep along. He's saying it's hard for you to kick against the truth. It's hard for you to kick against my nudging in your life. I've been nudging you. I've been trying to get you unstuck. And it is hard for you to resist me. And Saul says, who are you? Because he really, I believe Saul wanted to know the truth. He wasn't just irrational. He wasn't just like faithless. No, he was a man full of faith. He wanted to know who the Messiah was, who Jesus was, you know, who, who God was revealing to be the son of God. He just didn't know that it was Jesus. He couldn't bring himself to believe it. So he needed to hear it for himself. And some of us need that 
today. We need that. Like I've heard Christian talk about it, or I've heard other preachers talk about it, or I've heard my friend or my family talk about it, but you need an encounter with Jesus. Some of you are, are, are just sailing on other people's you know, spiritual, I want to say wind, and that sounds so weird. Some of you are sailing on other people's spiritual wind. But you get the analogy? Like if you're a sailboat. Okay, thanks. Thanks for hanging in there. All right. But, you know, you're, you're using other people's spiritual momentum instead of finding your own. You're going on what other people have said and taught you and thought. And what you need and what God is offering you. See, he doesn't ask you to believe because anyone else believes. He asks you to believe because he loves you. And so he's saying, come to me. He says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. We have this come to Jesus moment. He's like, listen, Saul, you're in the way, <laughs> and you're moving the wrong way. Now get on board. So Saul goes, he, he goes to this house. So the men traveling to Saul, they stood there speechless, and they heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. And when Saul got up, he was blind. Can you imagine being the guys with him? That would be just wild. For three days, he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. And then this guy, Ananias, comes and prays for him. God heals his vision. God commissions him through Ananias to go start preaching. And just like a couple days later, Saul spent several days with the disciples. And then at once, he began to preach in the synagogues. So he got permission from the high priest in Jerusalem to go to the synagogues in Damascus and arrest the Christians. Imagine they're surprised when they find out he's in the synagogues in Damascus preaching Christianity. He's in there arguing that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and said, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Hasn't he come here to take us prisoners? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. See, some of us need a come-to-Jesus moment. That's a term that friends of mine and I have used my whole life, and I'm excited to share it with you today. But when we need someone to just be like, wake up, you are making decisions that are destroying your future, we say, yeah, he needs a come to Jesus moment. When we see a friend who's just running their marriage into the ground or who's making bad decisions in the background of their life that is starting to bleed through their anger's coming out sideways or relationally things are starting to melt down or we see someone you know teetering on the edge of addiction we're like they need to come to Jesus moment it's a it's a moment where someone sits them down and says let's talk and I and I want to just say that step one so what I want to do is for the next three weeks this being the first one one two three I'm going to give you three tools if you're stuck in relationships, if you're stuck spiritually, if you're stuck financially, if you're stuck with a personal issue that you're battling through, if you're stuck with a bad habit of some kind, I'm going to give you three really practical tools. Because one of the things we believe at City Light is when we preach the Bible, it's not just theological education, but it's life transformation. When we preach the Bible, it works for today, and it changes how we live today. And so we don't just want it to be true we want it to be helpful. And so we're going to give you three tools to change. Wouldn't you love to change something about your life? What would you like to change? And I'm going to give you a chance to write that down. So be thinking. What is one thing you'd like to change about your life, about yourself? 
And step one is a come to Jesus moment. So how do we do a come to Jesus moment? All right, this is the slide when I get to the end that you might want to take a picture of. But I'm going to give you five tips on how to do this. Ready? Number one, you have to name it. This is the first step in every 12-step program. If you've ever been to a 12-step program, you become objective. You admit what? That you have a problem. I'm admitting it to you now. I have had a problem with reels. I am doing better, but I have had a problem with reels. You have to name it, confront it. No lying to yourselves. We love to lie to ourselves. We have to admit why we're doing it. Like I can rationalize. I look at reels because I'm a pastor. And if I wasn't a pastor, I probably wouldn't even be on social media. But I'm a pastor, and like part of my job is like I need to be in touch with the culture. Like I can't be up here like some of you, not even knowing what reels are. <clears throat> you know, I got to be in touch with the culture. I got to know what's going on. I got to be up on the latest trends. I, you know, I got to know how to do like the dances and right. I got to know the lingo and say like you when it say stuff is lit, but you can't say that anymore because you used to say it was lit, but you can't say it anymore, right? You got to know this stuff as a pastor. Where else am I going to learn it? I'm basically doing the Lord's work when I'm looking through reels, you know, just thank you, Jesus. Yes. Okay. No rationalizing. Why am I really doing it? Why I'm really doing it is why. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have left that open that long. Why I'm really doing it is I'm obviously avoiding something in my life, aren't I? Like I'm looking through reels instead of dealing. Was that you? Good job, buddy. Way to step out. I like the boldness. You're going to end up up here someday probably, all right? People like you end up up here a lot, right? So I'm doing it because I'm avoiding something, right? I've, I've been tired. I've been stressed. I've been overworked. And so it's easier to sit on the couch and scroll than actually like engage with one of my kids or, or have a conversation with my wife. Like she might be on the other couch. I might be on this couch. We might both be on our phones. Like that is just like this escape, right? What's it doing to you? Don't minimize its effects. Don't be like, no, it's not that bad. Very few things are neutral in this world. Most things are either helping you grow or doing the opposite of that. They're destroying you in some way. They're pulling you down. They're eating at you, right? What is it doing to you? I watched a movie this week. So one of my things I like to do when it's like to relax, and there's nothing against relaxing. I like to watch movies often by myself. I don't know why. I just like it. I like movies. I'm a movie guy, right? So I decided there's this one movie I hadn't watched. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. But so I watched it, and it just had so much language in it, right? And I'm not telling you what to watch or anything. But, like, I watched the first, like, hour and a half because it's, like, one of those things. You can't watch a whole movie in one night, you know, because you got to go to bed at 1130 when you're 45. So um, I watched the first half, and I was going to watch the second half the next day. And the next day, I had a really rough day. And I was, like, just frustrated. And, and things weren't going my way. It was like those days were like you put the cereal box down and it tips over and spills on the ground, right? You, you, like you're putting the milk back and you accidentally knock something off and it breaks. It's like what are those days where it's not just one, it's like 20, you know, right? You're dropping stuff. Things are breaking. You're stubbing your toes. One of those great days. And I was having a ton of language running through my head the whole day. Lots of negative language running through my head. I'm like, man, and it wasn't making me feel better. You know, it was making me feel worse. It was just like, and it, it, it took me till late afternoon where I realized, huh, maybe I shouldn't have watched that movie. And so then I had this decision. This is a big decision. Do you finish the movie, right? Because I love finishing movies. Like, how's it going to end? And so I had to talk myself down and be like, listen, you 
pretty much can tell how it's going to end, let's be honest. You know, like you could look it up, you could read about it. It's not worth it. Remember I talked about last week, like the, the show is not worth the price of admission? Before we make decisions that are going to compromise our character, we need to think about what it's going to cost us first. Whatever it is that you're going to get pleasure out of, it, is it worth the cost? And so I had to admit that it was that movie I will never finish. Okay. Why are you avoiding dealing with it? Well, most of us are avoiding dealing with it because we don't like pain. And number five, what would life be like if you changed it? Take a picture of this because I want you to answer these questions about the thing that you are going to think about this week. So if you want to work on this, I want you to be able to answer these questions. So this, this whole process, this come to Jesus moment can happen for big things and for little things. I had a, I had a friend years ago. He was a, he was a young man. And he got himself addicted to hard drugs. And he, I, I've known him over the years, and we had times of prayer, we had times of conversation. And then there just came a time where there needed to be a come to Jesus moment. He needed Jesus to kick him off his donkey, shine some light in his eyes, and say, what you're doing isn't working. Right? Sometimes we need that. And so... His family and some friends and I, we sat him down and we had a come to Jesus meeting. And that, that man has turned his life around 10 years later, okay? Now it was work and he, he, he put the work in and it wasn't like up and to the right, you know? It was work and failure, work and failure, work and failure until finally. But that, that man is, he's a husband and a father, has a job and his life is strong because people loved him enough to say, get off your donkey. <laughs> we didn't actually say that. right? Or it could be something much, much smaller in your life. It could be something internal in your life, you know, like looking at reels, <laughs> that's, that you have to deal with. right? I'll tell you another one from my life. So I planted this church when I turned 40 years old. And a lot of people, that the circles that I run in, the vineyard churches that I relate to, people plant churches when they're younger than 40. Universally. You know, usually in their 20s. So guys my age who have planted churches, they just have been in it a lot longer. And, and like, you know, I'm like figuring out stuff. And like we just, we just wrote, um, we just worked on our discipleship model. Like how, how do we help people grow at City Light? And I'm calling people who are younger than me and they've already got this stuff done because they've been at church for 15 years already or 10 years already. And so I realized one day that I say it a lot and I say, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, well, I just got started. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if I, you know, if only I had planted earlier, oh. we waited a long time to plant and I'm sure it was the Lord. I didn't really believe that. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit finally convict me one time. And it was just like this whispered thought, like, why do you keep saying that? Okay, why do I keep saying that? Let's be honest, right? So let's look at it. I know what it is. Why am I doing it? I'm doing it because, number one, I'm making excuses for myself. And I'm making excuses for where maybe what, where we haven't grown or we haven't done certain things or I haven't built this or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm almost like patting us, patting myself, I should say, for failure. Like, I have an excuse. I'm protecting myself from the fear of failure by throwing an excuse out. It's like what, what 
athletes do all the time, right? Well, it's an away game. It's going to be harder, you know, or whatever. Like the grass is too long. Like we were, we were at a soccer tournament yesterday. The grass was too long. Like, well, that's probably why we'll lose, right? You, you pad it before it happens. I mean, I, I think I'm also doing it because if I'm really honest, there's a part of me that's bitter. Let's be really honest. You ready for this? I'm bitter that I didn't get to start earlier. There's a part of me just like being real. Some of you who don't know me are like, this pastor just lets it all hang out. Yeah, I do. So, but I do like, and I think the bitterness is probably at the Lord because you can get bitter at God. I don't know if you know that. Like, I was like, I need to deal with that. You know, those sideways comments that we make, there's usually something really deep that that's grown out of. And you have to trace that fruit down to the root and pull that root out, right? So it's not, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's ugly deep in my heart. What's it doing to you? It's making me be less full of faith. Instead of saying, I am so grateful that God gave us the chance to plant this church when we were 40. You know what's really great about planting a church when you're 40? Your kids are older. It's so much easier. You know what's really great about planning a church at 40? We've already figured out how to do ministry as a couple and not destroy our family. We know how to draw boundaries and how to say no sometimes, but in theory. And when you start by planning a church at 25, 27, you don't have those built-in things. You know, I'm really glad we planted at 40 because I have a very disciplined personal life with the Lord. And that's not going to get knocked off by the amount of work that comes with planning a church. Like, there's so much to be grateful for. And what I was doing was I was, I was being a spoiled little brat. I was. Right? I was not grateful. I was, that's what I sounded like to God. I'm sure God was very loving about it. But at some point, he was like, that's enough. Get off your donkey. You know, turned his flashlight on. What are you doing? I had to come to Jesus moment. I had to be like, wow, I thought I was just making this funny comment, <laughs> you know, but actually I'm like seething with bitterness and ugliness and it's spilling out onto other people. I needed to repent. What would life be like if you changed it? I have stopped saying it. And it's, it comes to the tip of my tongue sometimes. Well, that's be, never mind. Never mind. I'm glad I'm 45, right? But like now it's like it's leaving. I've been disciplining myself and it's leaving and I'm more full of gratitude and I can honestly talk about, I'm so glad we planted at 40. I'm so glad that we're at the, we're still at like the beginning. This is exciting. I like starting new things. I don't know why I would complain about this. I love a challenge. Praise God that COVID happened two years after we planted. I would have chosen that, right? Like, that was strategic on my part, you know? Whatever. Still a little bitterness, but I'm working on it. All right, so you get it, right? We need, who, do you need this in your life? Where in your life do you need a come to Jesus moment? See, Jesus came so that we could have new life, not subpar life, not life that's like half measured, not life that's still restricted. Worship team, you guys can come up as I read this last slide. He destroyed death. He destroyed it. He didn't just like annoy it. Okay? He didn't just like wound it. 
He destroyed death, and through the good news, he showed us the way to have life that cannot be destroyed. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing me will never die. So I'm going to hand this out to you guys. I want you to take this home with you. So those are right there if some of you friendly people who are my children could hand those out. What I'm giving this is next steps, what I want you to do. So there's a couple Bible verses, and the next steps this week are think about these Bible verses, read these Bible verses, pray over these Bible verses. On the back, you can do this now or at home, write down one area, guys. Pick an area. If you don't have any areas, talk to someone who knows you. They'll tell you one, okay? Write down one area that you want to work on. Honestly, be honest with yourself. For three weeks, we're going to focus on change. How do we change? Step one is you need to come to Jesus moment. You need to become objective. You need to be honest with yourself today. Write it down on the back. Answer those five questions. Come back next week, and we're going to talk about step two, okay? Okay? 